What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Monday, July 1st, 2019, and you guys are listening to episode 407. Uh, last week, uh, took off last week, had a lot of stuff going on, traveled, traveled with the family, and uh, with this holiday week coming up, I wanted to just kind of put together a, a great filled show for you guys and have you guys catch up on any episode you might have missed over there on uh, iTunes, Podbean, and all that stuff. So it's good to be back. Hope everybody had a good time in between shows. Hope you are all well. And uh, a lot of stuff to talk about on the show this week of the 4th of July. That's right, the country's Independence Day. So I'm going to talk about that. Everybody getting together, shoving their faces with burgers and hot dogs and sausage and cookies and um, the whole deal, man, what makes America amazing, uh, the fireworks and just celebrating that. So we're going to be talking about all that stuff um, and uh, a lot of other things, okay? I was just in Boston and uh, had an amazing time over there in, in Boston, made an announcement on the Patreon and I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are probably thinking... Uh, well, that free agency last night, uh, the free agency last night, which obviously if you saw my tweets and my social media was was pretty devastating and hurt as a Knicks fan, you probably thought, wow, Verzi's going to go off on the podcast today. Verzi's going to lose his mind and I want to sit back and listen to that rant on uh, TVE 407. Well, you can listen to that rant. But that rant is going to cost you $3 on the Patreon because that's already out. Uh, so starting July 1st, I wanted to make sure I got an early one out. And uh, there was no better time. I did not want to do anything last night. I did not want to rant last night, okay, because my thoughts were all over the place. Last night, I would have been talking in circles. You would have been like, "Does this guy? is this guy having a stroke? Is this guy speaking in tongues or having a stroke? I was beside myself, um, but for a bunch of different reasons, not as bad as people would think, but then things started happening, and I said, you know what, let me just digest this as a Knicks fan, it hurts, let me just take a night, let this settle in the brain for a little while, so what I decided to do, instead of sitting here and scream at you people on TVE uh, 407, I would uh, put something on the Patreon, and that's what I did. So um, the Patreon by itself will be there for a little longer. I uh, did make an announcement on the new Patreon with me and Jerry Ferrara. I put the name out there. We have a name for that podcast that is out there. Um, we are doing the logo and the art now. Looks like we're going to be going to another network and a studio that we could have in New York City once a week where we actually have a producer and a studio. And it's not just going to be a Patreon. It's going to be a regular podcast along with a Patreon. And it's going to be a pretty serious sports show with very special guests and all that. So hopefully the people that subscribe can move from that Patreon over to our new show. So you guys can, can check that out. But the, the Knicks rant and the free agency that happened last night is on there. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, I tried to be as uh, <laughs> as calm and as cool as I possibly can be, but I have other stuff that I'm going to talk about, and something else that I'm going to rant about, and I'm probably going to rant about this next thing even more than I would have, that those two pieces of shit are going to Brooklyn. How about that? Enjoy Brooklyn. Enjoy, yeah, enjoy your your... your 
whatever. Enjoy your kale shops, you fucking babies, at that dump, the Barclays Center. I'm not going to get into it. I already did it on the thing, but enjoy that. Enjoy Brooklyn. Enjoy getting on the subway instead of playing in Midtown. Yeah, enjoy that. Enjoy being on the subway with, with somebody in a scarf in August. Enjoy that. Okay? I'm not, I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to, you know what, man, let them play there. They're not going to win there, especially not next year. All right. I mean, it's, I'm so pissed off though, that I, I'm actually going to start liking and rooting for the Lakers now. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm always a Knicks fan, but I'm saying when the Knicks are out of it and I'm watching the playoffs, this is driving me to like the Lakers, but you could listen to the rant over there on, uh, on the Patreon. I got one out there. Just, just came out fresh, fresh off the press. Day, day after, hours after free agency started over there on um, on Patreon for, for $3, guys. You could hear that, and there will be more leading up to the uh, new show. Now, I want to thank everybody. This weekend, I was in Boston, Massachusetts. I was at Laugh Boston, and uh, it was amazing, okay? Uh, Laugh Boston is at the Westin on the waterfront, a uh, beautiful Nice hotel right there on the water, down by the seaport. Restaurants down there by the water. It's just, it's just awesome. They got a kids museum down there, which we did not do. Uh, we ended up going to the New England Aquarium. I'll talk about that as well. So, um, my family came with me on this trip to Boston. Uh, as you guys know, after the special, a lot of dates, traveling all over, more dates coming up. But you know what? I only was able to take my family to West Palm Beach, Florida. And I was like, you know what? Boston's not far. Two and a half hours from where I'm at in New York. Come out. Wife came out. Kids came out. But most importantly, because uh, that was, I mean, that was amazing. And, and to have them there. And something amazing happened that I'll share with you guys now. I think you guys will like, uh, I think you guys will like the beginning of this podcast. It's a, it's a kind of a positive spin. Uh, and, and it's not going to be as negative and as dark. I know the last one we kind of finished a little, a little cold and dark, but this one is, uh, a warm story. Family there, kids, but the, the, the people came out, man. And, and that was really amazing because, uh, the last time I was there, I was at the TD Garden with Burr. I did headline, I think almost two years ago, Laugh Boston and people came out and the fact that people continue to come out and, um, support me there. I also shout out to the uh, Dig Boston newspaper that came out. I had they had my name on the cover of it, and then they also had a whole page, a uh, whole two-page interview in the middle of the newspaper about me there, and uh, you could check that out. And that was that was really good. Shout out to Dennis who put that together, um, and then he actually showed up to the club with the cover with me with 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 it opened and let me see the the interview, and it turned out okay. Uh, sometimes you talk, just so you guys know, sometimes you talk to people as a comedian in this thing and you're like, you know, uh, yeah, everything is, and then they shit on you. And when I first saw it, it said, New York comedian talks about his crush on Boston. And I'm going, is this guy going to make me look like some kind of fucking traitor of New York? And no, what he was doing was I did talk about how the Dana-Farber Institute in Boston saved my mother's life when she had cancer. Uh, stage four cancer and my older brother did go to Boston University and I told him that in the interview and he spun it really nice and it was really good but um, the crowds were were awesome usually Thursdays or Thursdays and Sundays in comedy 
you know, unless you're a big, like a big name with a TV show, those are usually tougher. And then Friday and Saturday, you know, people know you, they want to come out. Thursday was amazing. Uh, Friday was, was awesome. And Saturday was just first show Saturday, almost sold out, like really, really close. The whole thing was just, it seemed packed. And then uh, second show Saturday, just so amazing as well, packed. It was great. And, um, but one thing really cool happened that never happened before. Um, you know, so people always say, do your kids, do your kids watch you, Paul? Do your kids watch you? Do they know, do they know what you do? So to answer that question, it's kind of yes and no. My kids definitely know what I do. All right. My son, especially, but my daughter used to go and, and say, my daddy goes on stage and makes people laugh, but now she's actually understanding what it is that I do, and they've kind of seen clips online all the time, but now they've, you know, I remember I was at the stand in New York, they would poke their head in and see, but I'm like, Stace, if I'm up here talking about, like, you know, something gross, I don't want my kids to see that, and that's always in the back of my head with my material, too, like, listen, if the material's a little dirty, or the material's a little gross, but if it's true and funny, and I can kind of clean it up as much as I can and still get the most out of the laugh, I don't mind if that's out there forever and my kids see that forever because it's just the truth and it's what it is. But the, the, the more I get, you know, evolved in this and the more I grow as a comedian and I develop hours, I want to make sure that not only does it hold up for comedy fans, but it also is something that I'm proud of if my family sees it. You know, I don't want my kids to, you know, one day see me on stage, you know, and I'm just, you know, doing something super, super gross for shock value. I'll never do that. So we're there, and my wife says, because I only had one show, it was one show Thursday, one show Friday, two on Saturday. So my wife is upstairs, and I'm going to be done by nine. And we hung out together, and my wife had some family at the show. Um, and she was like, oh, well, nine, maybe we'll just go to a late dinner. Should I come to the show with the kids? And I'm like, make sure you come towards the end. I don't want the kids, especially if I'm doing a certain bit. So Laugh Boston, when you walk off stage out the door, the green room and tunnel in the green room is right there to the left. So I'm on stage and I'm doing my jokes. I'm having a, a great time and I feel like the set is going the way that I want it to go. And I do my closing bit and the closing bit you know, kills, it does awesome, people are loving it, and then I say thank you, and the host comes out, and it's all great, and I walk off stage, and who's there, my kids jumping up and down, and I'll never forget, man, I'll never forget the looks on their faces, like my daughter came running to me, my son was jumping up and down, and it was just, a, I'm not gonna lie, it was a special moment, it really was, it was a, it was a special moment that I'll, I'll honestly, I'll never forget, you know, it was, I, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it was awesome and it made me feel good and I knew that they heard the ending of the, that joke and that joke is something that I'm proud of and that joke actually has to do with family. So it was great. And I said to them, as the host was saying goodnight and I was off stage, everybody was still there. I said, you guys want to walk back out there with me? You want to walk back out there and, and, and wave to the crowd? And they were a little nervous and I go, come on. And then they kind of, my daughter was kind of clinging on to my side and my son was, was holding my hand and we end up walking out there and the whole place just goes nuts for my kids. And they just listened to me talk about my son and daughter during this set for probably, 
you know, I would say a good, maybe, I, I don't know, out of the hour I did, I would say I probably talked about my kids for, I don't know, maybe maybe eight minutes, nine minutes, something like that in the set. And um, so now they get to actually see them. And it was awesome. They were like, they had just gotten dressed and they had like these, ma- they were cold after the pool. So my wife got them these matching hooded sweatshirts. So it looked like we had the thing set up and we didn't. It looked like I had this whole plan and I literally, I didn't. I was just like, hey, come out there with me. And it was awesome. And it was a moment I'll never forget. So if you were in the crowd for that and you saw that, that meant a lot more to me than you probably would know. And I think it's a memory that my kids will always, um, always remember. You know, you always remember like, you know, if, if, you know, your dad's doing comedy for people and then you walk out on stage and people go nuts. So that was a special one. And I definitely wanted to talk about that on the show. Um, imagine I just brought my kids everywhere. I'm like, all right, listen, that <laughs> I put it in the contract. Yeah. My kids are going to come out for five seconds at the end of the show. Okay. We got to start paying them, but no, it was great. It was, it meant a lot. Something else very special happened in Boston as well that I want to talk about. And then don't worry, then I'm going to turn up the rant because something really unacceptable happened in Boston. And then we'll, uh, we'll get back to yelling, everybody. But uh, the, the thing that was crazy was um, there was a, a, a table. There was a table. And this is what the beautiful thing about comedy is. Okay, I want you guys to all understand this. And this is an amazing thing. The beautiful thing about comedy is funny is funny. Ages don't matter. You know, senses of humor might be obviously different with a younger, middle-aged, older, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, all that stuff. People may have different senses of humor, but funny is funny and everybody can be struck. And I remember looking out specifically when Joe Bartnick was opening. Shout out to Joe Bartnick who opened for me. We don't get to perform that much together. And uh, Joe did a great job opening for me. And uh, he's back in town in New York. And you guys know me and Joe are very close. And um, I was watching him and I noticed a table. And if I got to be honest, when I saw the table, I'm like, oh shit, this might not be good. All right. It was, I saw a woman probably in her 70s with white hair. Then somebody next to her probably looked like in their 50s. You know, looked like a very proper, and I'm going, they were right up front. And you're going, oh, shit. You know, I mean, I have some things to say. Not that I'm filthy, but you got like an older woman, maybe close to 80, sitting in the front row looking at you. You're, it's definitely it's definitely like, oh, shit, what could I say? And I'm the type that I'll feel out the show, but I'm really not going to change what I do or who I am and what I say for the audience, right? So what happens is I'm up there, and I notice... As I'm doing jokes and as some of the jokes get more edgy and maybe even a little more, I guess, dark or whatever, I'm noticing that this 70-something, 80-year-old woman is laughing more and harder at the table than the younger people that she was with. And I was joking about her son. Her son looked very Martha's Vineyardy. Even though come to find out that they were actually from Georgia. They were from the South and now they live in Boston. But the, the, the son, so the older woman was there. I found this all out. The older woman was there with her son and her grandchildren and her daughter-in-law. And the son just had like white hair off to the side. He looked like if Donald Trump was just Irish wearing a collared shirt and loafers. And I joked with the guy. 
You know, he just had that hedge fund face. He just looked like he fucked people out of money for a living. And then he went to his house on a golf course in Martyrs Vineyard. That's what he looked like. So I'm just goofing on him. And the, the mother's laughing. And I'm going, man, you're cool. And I start talking to her. And we start just, everything is going really good. And I'm like, this crowd is is great. They're different. They're older, but they were they look more sophisticated. And they look, but they just, uh, it let me know, hey, funny's funny. doesn't matter. Anyway, get into the point. Something happened where... Um, I don't want to give too much away, but I do a special needs joke. I do a joke, and the joke has to do with um, people with special needs, people with Down syndrome, people with head injuries, people in wheelchairs, people with diseases. Um, And some words are said in that joke where if you listen, you know what I'm doing, but you have to really listen because you could hear a trigger word and not get the joke and be offended and upset. And I do the joke and everybody's laughing and it's towards the end of my set. And it's basically like an anti-PC joke, but it also has a message. It's one of my favorite jokes that I do. I'm obviously not going to give it away on, on the podcast. And after the show, I'm sitting there and um, I'm talking to people, and this is the show my kids were at, so my kids were there with me, and we're saying goodbye to fans, and we're having this great time, and this woman walks up to me, and this woman says, you were so good, and she has this accent, and I realize, oh man, she was at the table with the two grandkids, and the grandmother, and the father, and and and, and she's the wife, she's the, the mother of the, of the grandkids, and she comes up to me and she goes, I just want to let you know that you're so funny, this and that. And she goes, I have a son with Down syndrome. And she takes her phone out and she shows me a picture of her boy who has Down syndrome. And she says to me, I have a son with Down syndrome. And I just want to say, I thought the joke was great. I was not offended by the joke at all. I get what you were doing. It's comedy, and I get it, and it was great, and we had such a great time tonight. Thank you, and they wanted to come up and shake hands, and I said to her, I said, ma'am, I got to tell you something. That made my night out of everything, you know. I mean, obviously, my kids being on stage really made my night, but as far as audiences, that was really one of the nicest things, and I said, thank you so much. That means so much, and... Now, this was a woman who walked up to me and showed me a picture of her son with Down syndrome. And I made a joke about it. And she actually listened to the joke knowing that I was not making fun of people with Down syndrome. But she could have heard the word I said. She could have listened to that. She could have just heard me say Down syndrome, shut off, not listened, then heard people laugh and been pissed and say, oh, I come to shows to escape this. I have a son and he's wonderful. No, she goes, I got the joke. It wasn't offensive. We had a great time. Thank you. And that deserves, that is exactly what comedy should be. Mind you, this wasn't a woman who had a brother or a cousin. And this is also a woman who um, is, you know, older. She could have easily, she doesn't look like somebody that goes to comedy shows either that much. You know, she. it could have been a different thing and it wasn't. And it made me so happy. And I was like, man, if that if that is any indication of the tides turning in comedy or people just getting it, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, you know, maybe they're, and they're not, you know, and listen, there's always going to be somebody that you offend. But the fact that that happened was awesome. Now, let's get to the, let's get to the bad part. Let's get to the unacceptable. And then I'll read, I'll read what you guys have. All right.
Shows were great. There was two on Saturday. My wife and kids and I, we went to the aquarium in New England, which by the way, I recommend it was awesome. Here's how awesome it was. Somebody said, go and watch the penguins get fed. It's fucking hilarious. So I went and we went to this penguin exhibit. They had different penguins. They had African penguins. They had the type of penguins that hop. They had something called like little blue penguins, whatever. They had all kinds of penguins, right? And if there was a type of penguin, this place had it. And they're like hilarious. Like they stand on the rock. They keep their arms out like they're like either praying or they're going to dive they're hopping up and down. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Then when they like jump into the water, when a penguin swims fast, the shit is like a torpedo. It's like you. It's like a blur. It's like this black blur that just flies by when they go under. That was that was cool enough. This is what's hilarious about penguins. When they line up to give them fish, and I mean they line up. The penguins line up, getting ready for their turn to like get a fish to eat. And they have to mark the penguin with a color on their fin or their flipper or whatever. They put a color on it because some of the penguins try to skip back in line, like cut back in line to get a fish. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I love these things. I love fucking penguins. I mean, how great is that? That the penguin is like, all right, dude, I don't know. Like their, their small brain is still going like, I'm, I'm going to jump back in this line and see, you know, if I could outsmart this human who clearly has a certain number of fish in the box that they have in there. But that was awesome. Then they had this like crazy, gigantic turtle. My wife took all the, and we saw it like feeding it. But this thing was probably 200 pounds. This thing looked like a bear. It was like the size of a bear just floating in this tank with hammerhead sharks and all this stuff. And um, we had a great time. You know, I will say this though, seeing the sea lions, the sea lion exhibit, like they just threw in the towel. It's like a dirty kiddie pool. You know, this one lion was just laying there looking like, dude, shoot me in the head. There were other lions that were like over like in an alleyway, like where they come out, like where the workers come out. They were just laying over there. It looked like everybody in the exhibit, including the sea lions, just like gave up. The sea lion was sitting in there like, look, dude, I've been doing this too long. All right, I'm just going to flop in this pool. And like you could tell that they're just so done with humans looking at them. Even the humans were going by it fast. It was like, oh, look at that thing. And the thing's just laying there looking miserable. It, it was actually, that was the one part. And there is something sad to be like, why is this thing here? This thing should be out in the wild. But then you find out that they're endangered and they're protecting them. So I don't know where it, where to stand with the whole thing. You know? Um, and so, but anyway. Anyways. So... Saturday night, so Saturday we do things. We go to the aquarium, we go to Faneuil Hall, we went to the uh, Union Oyster House. It's the oldest restaurant in the United States. It's still there under the same, like, it's the same, like, continuous operation since 1826. And, you know, it's got the dumb waiter where you like the pulley where it comes up. They get all these oysters. It, they, they, like, the bag from the ocean goes up on the bar and they're shucking these oysters in front of you. It's just awesome. They have their own Samuel Adams beer just for the restaurant. It's a great thing, great situation. We did all that stuff. We went to dinner. We ate by the harbor, and then now it's time. Dad's got to go to work, and, of course, the kids are like, can we go to the pool? My poor wife. All my kids wanted to do was do something, and then when they weren't doing something, go to the pool, and my wife was a champ with it. So we do the two shows. It's great. Local comedians in Boston came out to support. Great. 
shout out to Brian Plum, uh, Chase Abel, good dudes out there. Dominic, uh, who works over there, he was actually the guy. Dominic, I think it's, La- I, I want to say his last name wrong, but Dominic was the one who drove me to radio. And uh, I got a funny story about radio, too. I mean, it's my luck. So, um, anyways, we'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the radio story. I'll do the radio story after this. No, actually, you know, it probably makes sense for me to do the radio story now. So, anyway, I do radio Friday morning. I'll go back. Don't worry. I'm going to get to the unacceptable. But I, I do radio. And I go to one radio station, and they were like... Um, yeah, it's going to be quick, blah, blah, blah. It ended up being great, um, you know, and, and it was great. And then I go to, I guess, some legendary radio show called The Lauren and Wally Show. And The Lauren and Wally Show has been there for, I mean, forever. And I'm sitting there and I'm just waiting in the waiting room with, the, you know, with Dominic who drove me, local comic. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm waiting there, and the lady, go, the guy comes out, and he goes, hey, Paul, man, we were just looking up your stuff, really funny, we'll do a couple of segments, you know, there'll be a couple of breaks in between, he's telling me all this shit, he goes, boy, you're here on a, you're here on a, on a, on a weird day, or you're, you're here on a very unique day, and I'm going, all right, what does that mean, and then they come over to me, and they go, today is his last day, this guy Lauren's a legend, I guess, the guy's been on the air for 46 years on the morning show. He's been on the rock or the soft list, whatever, whatever, for 46 years. And it's his last day. And I'm like in the middle of it. And I'm going, holy shit, like they could have called this off. I mean, I don't want to be. And we're sitting there and you could tell there's this weird energy in there. And his old partner, Wally, comes in and he's acting all happy. And I guess he's going to do a special thing towards the end. And you could tell he's ready to fuck. He's acting happy like it's fine. You could tell they were going to cry like babies when this thing is over. And I'm just sitting in there like, holy shit, this is going down. So I tell this really funny story about my son at the, the, the umpire looking at me when, I, when my son threw a strike that I thought, when my son threw a strike that they called a ball. I tell the whole story. It goes great. It's a great segment. And then they're like, all right, we're on break. Paul, we're going to come back. And then this lady calls in. And he goes, hey, how you doing? And she goes, yeah, I just want to say that uh, I have listened to you for 40 years. And I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm just listening to this. And the whole room is listening. And you have been just such a part of my life. And I have been, and, and this is, I am so sad today. And I'm just sitting there. And he goes, um, oh, don't worry. You'll be fine. And she just goes, no, I won't. And then he's like, all right, well, you know, and just thank you so much. And then and then he just comes back. To, all right, we're here on Funny Fridays with Paul Verzi, who's at Laugh Boston this weekend, Paul. And I'm just going like, holy shit, man. Like, should I be here? Like, <laughs> I didn't even know it was it was my luck. And you could tell that there was a lot of emotion in the room. And then I did the second segment, went fine. And then I got out of there. But, like, what are the chances? I'm here to plug something, uh, you know, and it's just this emotional thing. This guy, I don't know. And then at the end, uh, I just shook his hand. I said, congratulations on, a, um, congratulations on a great career. And he said, thanks. But he did it in this way of, like, maybe he didn't want to get upset. Like, he kind of just plowed through it. And he really liked me, but he's like, thanks. Then come to find out that he didn't want to leave. And I'm like, oh, boy, this isn't a retirement. I found that out later. So, anyway that happened. Of course, it's my luck. What's going to happen? The next radio station I'm going to be on. So-and-so is just diagnosed with 
you know, <laughs> guy's going to lose his leg in a week. Paul Verzi's here to make people laugh here, and you know, so whatever. But let's let's get let's get to the let's get to the unacceptable. Two shows go great on Saturday. Local comedians come out. Joe Bartnick knew that my family was there, but he's like, "Hey, Saturday night when the kids are sleeping," because my wife obviously. She's not going to come to the show. It was on Saturday. The last show ended at like 3.30, 3.45. By the time I get paid, talk to the club, leave, say goodbye to everybody, do that, it's almost midnight. So the kids are upstairs sleeping. I told my wife, I said, I might go out for a wine or whatever. She knows that means, she knows what that means. She knows that means I'm probably going to have a cigar or whatever. So we go to this cigar bar and uh, local comic, Chase Abel, shout out to Chase. Good dude, man. Really good dude. He drove me out there, and he used to be the door guy at Laugh Boston. So he knows people, and he's been in Boston forever. And um, we go there, and we're looking for a table, and it's open. There's people. There's multiple rooms. And then all of a sudden, we're like, let's go to the humidor. So here's how it started. I see this blonde waitress, and she had her hair up in not pigtails, but they were pigtail buns. Okay, so she had two fucking buns on top of her head. I should have known. That should have given away, and that should have been the indication that shit's about to go bad. But I'm like, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. We see a bunch of people get up from a table, and I say, hey, we got eight or nine people. Can we stay here? And she just goes, I am the wrong person to ask. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, oh, this is, this is going to be a long night. So we go to the humidor. We pick our cigars at the humidor. And the guy's, all right, yeah, I'll give it to the waitress and everything. So Bartnick goes, oh, they got a room upstairs at a big table. So we all go upstairs. They got a couple of TVs on. Mind you, it's 12.15 on a Saturday night. All right. So we're waiting. Cigars don't come. Cigars don't come. Finally, the girl, the, the, the waitress comes over and she goes, can I take your drink order? And she's being fast. She's being, I go, can I have a Cabernet? Uh-huh, uh-huh, like that. She didn't ask me what type. She didn't say, do you want it dry? Do you want it sweet? Oh, our Cabernet happens to be a little fruity or this Cabernet happens to be super dry and bitter. Nothing like that. Just, uh-huh. So now you could already feel she's just trying to get this order. What do you want? Okay, what do you want? Okay, well, here are the beer. He goes, oh, can I get a... Um... So my buddy Joe Bartnick goes, can I get a Yingling? She goes, oh, we don't have a Yingling. Here are the beers we have. We have Peroni, we have Stella, we have Bud Light, we have Car all this stuff. And I'm just going, so she takes everybody's drink order. Cigars still haven't come. Okay, just so you people know, when you go to a cigar bar, okay, the first thing, that it, the cigar should take five minutes. Okay, you say, hey, I want this Padron or I'll take this uh, Monte Cristo. Cut it either straight cut, V cut, and then they come back with an ashtray and a lighter and the way you want it cut and it's done. And then you get the drinks or, you know, that, that's the way it should be. No cigar. Now I'm looking around. And again, shout out to, to Chase Abel. Chase is looking around going, I got to fix this for these guys. These guys just were. He was looking out for me. And I, I, I appreciate it. I didn't take it lightly. You know, so I don't know, Chase, if you're listening to this, probably not listening to another comedian's pocket. He'd probably give a fuck. But, you know, if you're listening, I appreciate it. He, he you know, he was like, let me. So he's, he knew the manager. And finally, like two of our cigars come. Luckily, one was mine. Then everybody else is still waiting. No drinks for a while. And I'm just going, what the fuck is going on? So I light the cigar, and I'm waiting. Everybody gets their drinks, but me and Dominic ordered wine. We still don't get our wines. Finally, we get our wines. So now I'm okay. Now I'm settled in. The frustrating stuff is over. 
first 20 minutes of this experience is a shit show. But look, it's 12.30, 12.35. Fine, the night's young. I'm only five-minute drive from the hotel. My kids and wife are sleeping. The, sh the, the shows were a success. Now I can relax. Got till maybe 2 o'clock, chilling. Got my wine. The wine, mind you, very delicious, dry. I'm a little picky with red wine because I'm turning into an asshole. No, I'm kidding. But I'm just, you know, certain things when you become a... You know those people that you see sip something and then they say to the waiter, yeah, I really thought it would be something different. Can I change? And in your mind, you're like, wow, that guy sucks or that person's a pain in the ass. I'm kind of like that with wine because, you know, you're spending whatever. You know, and you guys know I'm not an asshole. Fuck, you know what I mean. So I'm happy until 10 minutes later, all the lights in the place go on. The busboy or bar back or whoever walks in, starts turning the TVs off. And I'm going, oh, that's funny. Maybe just this room is closed. I'm like, there's no way that they're going to just take that long with the cigars and then just give our drinks and take all this money. And so now my buddy Chase again is looking around going, what? Let me find out. Let me. He goes, he talks to the manager, comes up. Yeah, that, 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 the place closes at 1. I look at the clock. It's 1245. I just got a drink. Never called last call. So the waiter comes over and Joe Bartnick goes, yeah, I'm sorry. Did the lights go on? Like, did you call last call? And in a pretentious way, she goes, oh, yeah, did you notice? And I'm going, I want to be like, bitch, you, what? You didn't come over and say, guys, just so you know, last call is going to be in about 20 minutes. Now, we probably spent the bill was over 200 just for our table of four. Then there were five other guys over there. So you mean, I mean, when I tell you, they could not have, oh, Jiggy was there, by the way. Jiggy opens up for the Impractical Jokers on their massive um, arena tour, and he was also on the Impractical Jokers cruise with me. He opened for them at the Garden. Really good dude. Him and Brian Plum came out to the show, and so we're all there. It's just all good guys that I know from New England area that are just there hanging out, and we just settle in. I mean, when I tell you, they started wiping down bottles and I started seeing fucking, I mean, I started seeing Windex bottles more than I saw alcohol being poured the first 50. I mean, we got big cigars just lit. Now, when you look at a cigar, you know it's, I mean, a small cigar is a half hour smoke. A big one could be up to two hours. I have about a medium hour smoke and we're 15 minutes in and they could give a shit. But then it got, this is where it got crazy. Then we were like, nobody told us, like, can we, and, and Chase made sure that the uh, manager got us another drink, and she just, like, rushes over, and she drops a bill, and she just throws the bill in the middle, doesn't ask, hey, do you guys want me to separate bill, hey, who's together, she just, and she just threw it down, she goes, yeah, whenever you're ready, so finally, she gets back over, and we're like, yeah, we're, we're actually different tables, kind of, even though we're all, you know, and she was like, ah. Well, you know, nobody told me that. So, like, what do you want to do? I'll just leave it with you guys, and then you guys can figure it out. And she's marching, and we see her, like, yelling at the manager, going, like, this is why I don't want to do it, and this is why. And I'm just going, you selfish bitch, okay? You sucked when we walked in. Absolutely unacceptable. You, you, you didn't take the drink orders properly. You gave us cigars late. You never told us it was last call. The lights come on. I've never felt... Without somebody saying verbally, I really cannot wait for you to leave, I never felt more rushed 
in my life. It was like the entire time we were sitting there, it was like that time that I had to use a toilet in a public, in like a Target, and the guy's eye was through the crack of it, and I'm trying to take a shit in peace. I mean, obviously you can't take a shit in peace in a Target, or, a, or, a, or actually, no, I was in a supermarket. Something happened with my stomach. I had to go so bad, I left my cart. You guys remember the story. I left my cart in a stop and shop, and I run to like the a bathroom, and there's a guy literally going, oh, come on, come on. And his eye, like a creepy horror movie, his eye went in the crack and he was looking at me. I felt that eye while I'm trying to go to the bathroom at a freaking cigar lounge with buddies after a weekend of work. And it was just a rushed, it was awful. Then she finally separated two bills. She was annoyed. And then, but one of the best things, she goes, I know, guys, like, I'm the worst. <laughs> the Italian kid, Dominic, goes, at least you know. I mean, it was, and I really laughed at that. But I never felt like, get the hell out of here, or more rushed than I ever felt before. Absolutely unacceptable. We had to, like, leave with the cigars, go back to the hotel. Then the hotel had last call. They had already called. And thanks to Chase, again, he knew the guy because he was a doorman at the comedy club, which is a part of the hotel. And we got, and I, I threw the guy a 20 extra. I just threw the guy a 20 on top of a regular. So basically, I got, I paid for the drink, paid for the tip, and threw the guy an extra 20 just to thank him. But like, they were like annoyed we were there. Here's the thing I'll say. Boston, great town. One of my favorite cities. Saved my mother's life. My brother went to BU. Great comedy crowds there. Treated me amazing at all of the venues like TD Garden and the comedy clubs. Get your shit together when it comes to a Saturday night and last call. Okay? You're a top notch. You want to call yourself title town. Jeez, I don't I mean, the Red Sox win a World Series there. Where do they go afterwards? You guys open shit up for them? I could see that. That's what this, that, I mean, it really is one of the worst when it comes to that. You could see like the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. Or, or, the, or the Red Sox winning, winning a big series at Fenway, wanted to go out and be like, yeah, listen, just so you guys know, we got to... They come in with ski goggles on their heads, doused in champagne, like, yeah, hey, we'll close the place down. Well, you know, this little chick with pigtails got to get out of here, so should we separate the checks? I mean, it, it, it was just an absolute shit show. There's my unacceptable, okay? Boston, get your shit together. Chase Abel, thank you very much for making it a good time. Uh, I'm literally getting sick as I'm doing this. Like, you know when you feel a cold coming on? I'm getting sick. Like, I need medicine. I need, I need like, NyQuil. I'm starting to feel that, and that can't happen, guys. You want to know why that can't happen? Oh, because the Verzies are throwing a big one. July 4th, the Verzies are throwing a big one, okay? As a matter of fact, I got a team of guys outside right now. We spent a shitload of money. They're redoing the fire pit. Hector, my landscaper Hector. The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend. If you saw my special on Comedy Central, you know who Hector is. Hector did the mulching outside. He did the weeding outside. The front yard looks mint. It's perfect. Everything is going good. And, um, and we're going to have a blowout. I mean, the names that are coming to this party, it's going to be, I mean, some of my best friends. You know, I'm shooting a movie. Where I only shoot one, two days. I only they only needed me for two days for the movie, but they got other comedians in here like Bill Burr shooting for two months. Guess who's coming? Oh, you know my son's godfather Burr will be at the house. 
Bartnick, Giannis, Bobby, Chris DeStefano, I think Salva, a bunch of people that um, kind of always come up that I always hang out with my friends uh, are coming up to this party. And uh, I want to invite everybody, but like I don't know who would come. And like then you don't want to invite somebody last minute, like because they weren't here last year, and then you don't know if they have plans. Like that's the weird thing. It's like you can't. It's growing, but you also can't have. That's the hard thing. It's like do you invite everybody? Like, that's the hard part. But it's gonna be neighbors. It's gonna be you know the fireworks. I gotta hope my neighbor doesn't threaten to shoot me again. It's gonna be a big one. I'm gonna do the grilling, the barbecuing, no frozen. No frozen. You go frozen on the 4th of July, it's anti-American. You don't love your country. That's I just feel that way. Uh, all right, we're over 40 minutes, and I need to read what you guys wrote. If you guys wrote anything, let me just make sure. Okay, here we go. This is from Gary. And Gary says, Gary Lee, that sounds familiar. Unacceptable, yes or no? So I guess he's asking us. Hey, Paul, happy belated congrats uh, Congrats on your 400th episode. I haven't written it in a while, but I had a question while doing this just now at work. Is it unacceptable to brush your teeth in a restroom, uh, a restroom at your office? I do this generally, generally uh, after lunch, but it got me wondering if that's uh, a fuck pass or not. Okay, a fall pass or not. Um, Plus, I always wipe down the countertops because I'm no slob. I certainly don't want to offend any of my coworkers uh, with my after lunch dragon breath. But as long, uh, but as a longtime listener of the Unacceptables, I don't want to be that guy either. LOL. Please help an Asian brother out. Is it unacceptable? Okay, or okay to brush your teeth at work. Thanks, and keep up the great work. I hope to see you next time you roll through San Francisco, Gary. Well, first of all, I was sorry to hear that the punchline in San Francisco might be done. But, uh, yes, next time I'm in the Bay Area, Gary, I hope you come out. hope you say hello. Is it unacceptable to brush your teeth at your workplace or office restroom? Oh, my God. I don't know how you can call it an unacceptable, Right? Because what you're doing is, this would be unacceptable. If you did leave remnants of water and toothpaste and shit flying out of your mouth all over the mirror and all over the counter and it was like that and you took a really long time doing it. So I think, I guess the answer to the question is it's kind of in between. It's how you do it. Now in here you say that you wipe down the countertops because you're no slob. So what I would say, Gary, is... If you're doing it quickly in ample time, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's a little weird bringing a toothbrush to work. I, I am not, I'm not going to call it unacceptable. It's a little weird. You sound like you got OCD. Something's up. You know, I mean, we're going to start flossing. I, I'd look at it like this. You give a good brush in the morning. Okay. It's not like you're making out with anybody at 2.30 after you had a tuna fish, you know, on pumpernickel with a bag of chips and a soda. And if you are, you know, God bless you. I don't know where you work, but <laughs> let us know. Um, I look at it like I, I would brush, obviously, really good in the morning. Do whatever I do during the day and then brush your teeth really good at night and that's it. And if you do have garlic or something with lunch, I mean, what's wrong with one of those Listerine strips or some gum? So I'll say no, it's not unacceptable. 
I would say it's a little unusual, it's a little different, but I would say no, not unacceptable. And if you wipe stuff down and you do it quick and you're not doing it to be some freaking sideshow or distraction at work and stuff like that, I would say it's fine, just a little unusual. So uh, if you guys have anything for Gary, write in for next week's show, Unacceptables for TVE at gmail.com and we'll go from there. We'll talk about it from there. But I don't think it's I don't think it's unacceptable. Unacceptable would be if you were a slob with it, if you know you're brushing your teeth and you're drooling all over the place, you're not cleaning it up and shit like that. That's that's kind of what I would say about that. That's my take. Let's see what else we have here. Okay. Um not sure. Hold on. This is from Robert and Robert says Paul. All right, hold on. He says Paul, let me see here. Hold on. Come on. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Um, Okay. Not sure if you remember, but I reached out a while back to TVE fans uh, everywhere about my eating problem after I quit smoking. Uh, Well, Paul, just wanted to send an update. It's been a solid year, and I'm happy to say that I have not had one cigarette since. Uh, I did, however, put on 50 pounds. Yes, 50 damn pounds, but I have since lost 35 by dieting and getting more addicted to running than food. Before I quit smoking, I was 6'5", 235. After I quit, I got up to 285. Not going to lie, though, I was proud of 285 because I would rather be fat than smoke two packs a day. I am now only 15-ish pounds heavier than I was before uh, I quit smoking, and I hope to have that gone in a couple of months. I am updating you because I feel more um, of your animal fans should share what they are going through. Uh, This has been hands down the hardest thing I've ever done, and I just think everybody should share their hardships with you so you... uh, so we can all relate and help. It's hard out there for a pimp, bro. Uh, <laughs> much love. Well, thank you. Um, thank you, buddy. And yes, um, I remember, I think I told you guys, I had a buddy. He quit smoking, but the way he did it was he had a dozen donuts on his passenger seat of his car. And every time he got hungry, he threw in a glazed. He threw in a glaze down his face. And it's uh, it was ridiculous. You know, and he just gained a shitload of weight. And it's really hard. <laughs> Um, to do. I mean, I quit. I quit cold turkey years ago. I loved smoking cigarettes. I still love the smell of it. I still remember how one felt um, after like a good meal or, you know, just being done with something or even, I remember my friends, it was hilarious. I had friends or people that I knew. I remember you'd play basketball or you'd play a game and it'd be done and you'd come down everybody would light a cigarette, which is so ridiculous when you're um, young like that. But yeah, it's just... um, you know, it's one of those things where I do think when you talk about it, it is better to put it out there. Because if you have a goal that's in your head, you could always just kind of quietly, mentally tell yourself, oh, I'll get to that later, I'll get to that later. But if you're like, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and I have to update people and tell people what's going on, you kind of hold yourself more accountable and, and responsible for that um, for that thing, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but I'm glad that the show helped you. I'm glad that you're only 15 pounds away from where you need to be. And, uh, yeah, like I have about 12, about eight to 12 pounds that I want to get rid of in 30 days before I shoot this uh, scene in the movie. And, um, you know, I'm just saying it to myself. I'm saying it to people. I'm saying it out loud. I'm watching the diet and I think that that's what's uh, changing it and making me 
better. You know what's funny is I went into the deli today, and I go to the same deli by my house a lot. And the guy, um, my buddy there, Tommy, young kid, college kid, 21 years old, just turned 21, great guy. He knows like the four things that I order. He knows the menu. And I go, yeah, man, should I get that that grilled chicken in a record? He's like, oh, the grilled chicken just came out fresh. It's also a barbecue place and a, and a deli. And uh, it's great. I get breakfast there, all that shit. It's awesome. I read the post. And today I just saw the Knicks, you know, all the stuff, nothing but nets and all that horrible shit you read. Uh, but I go, should I do this fresh grilled chicken in a wrap? He goes, ah, it's carbs, Paul. It's carbs. Do it on a salad. And he was right. And I did. And like, he's even helping me with it. It doesn't help that we're having a a big party here. And my wife is filling a pinata of filling a pinata with this candy for all the kids that are going to be here. And uh, I know where the extra stash of candy is. So I just threw down a Tootsie Roll and a Reese's peanut butter cup, just one. So that's all I could have tonight. Anyway, Thank you guys for writing in. If you have anything else or uh, if you have uh, updates on anything, write right into the show. Let's get into the plugs and then get out of here. I know it is a holiday week. So, um, yeah, I will be this Sunday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Sunday through Wednesday, I will be at the Borgata Hotel, Casino, and Spa with my dear friends Giannis Pappas and Angelo Lazada. We're doing like 20 minutes a piece uh, at the, uh, what is it called, the Music Box Theater or whatever, like 800 people in Atlantic City in this theater. We'll be there for four days. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great time. Be there from the 7th uh, through the 10th. So come out, check that out. Then the weekend after that, I will be at another casino. I will be at Comics Comedy Club at the Mohegan Sun uh, hotel and casino in Uncasville, Connecticut. So you could come out to that. And guys, of course, you know, one of my favorite places to be favorite places to headline is New York city. I will be at my favorite, my home club to headline. One of my favorite clubs in the country, Gotham comedy club. Uh, it's a little bit off. We're a few months, we're a couple months away, but September 27th and 28th, two shows Friday, the 27th, two shows Saturday, the 28th. Get your tickets early. We're going to pack these four shows out. Doing the new hour. The new hour is going to be really, really close to ready by then because I want to shoot it very, very early next year. So please come out to the um, to the Gotham Gotham Comedy Club. That's on uh, 23rd Street in the city. You can get tickets at GothamComedyClub.com uh, right now, September 27th, 28th. And uh, for all other dates, other updates and all that, that will be on Paul Verzi. Um, dot com. I hope everybody has a happy, healthy, safe 4th of July weekend. And, um, you know, be careful with everything. Careful with the fireworks. Enjoy yourself. Don't gorge yourself. Just enjoy. Pace yourself, you animals. Because you know what it's like when you have a blowout party. And you know who the rookies are. The rookies at a blowout party are the ones that go in early. You see somebody hammered before 4 p.m., it's their first rodeo. You know, I, I'm going to be grilling. I'm going to wait. You got to wait it out. You got to wait it out by the fire at night. That's when you kick it up another notch. Um, <laughs> I don't even know why I just said that. said it creepy too. That's where you really kick it into it. Um, but there you go, guys. This is the show. Um, hope you enjoyed it. This is TVE 407. 
Uh, stay tuned for more updates on the Patreon. There was already a new one today. There will be more before this uh, Super Fans podcast with me and Jerry. We're working on that as well. I will talk to you guys soon. Until next week, stay safe. Talk to you soon. Come out to a show. Take care.